Hello everyone, Zach here from the Carnival of Randomness on behalf of our sponsor, Upsitnik and Associates. In these unprecedented times, we reflect on our future, both in the next few weeks and months, but also the upcoming years and decades, and it's time to prepare for that future. Upsitnik and Associates has been contacted by many healthcare workers, as well as old and new clients to prepare wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives, also called a living will. All of you need these documents. So don't say you don't have any assets to speak of, no children or other dependents. Regardless of the circumstances now, you will need a will for today and tomorrow. Al Upsitnik feels so strongly about having wills and other needed documents prepared that Upsitnik and Associates can prepare your will, power of attorney, and living will at no charge, you heard that correct, no charge until the end of 2020. No hidden fees or gimmicks. Al feels so strongly about planning for the future at this time that he is willing to assist you with your future. Trust Upsitnik and Associates, attorneys for 42 years, from the Supreme Court to Alaska and everywhere in between. You can find them online, UpsitniksLaw.com, on Facebook, Upsitnik and Associates, or call them toll-free, 1-866-391-3299 to prepare for your future. Hey everybody, this is Rob on Carnival of Randomness, and I was going to have a couple drummers today, but they got jumped by wrestlers in the parking lot and thrown in the dumpster, <laughs> so, I, so I decided why not interview the wrestlers, they're probably more interesting, they could probably speak in more sentences, so... Here again, I am your host, the jet-flying, limousine Ryan, kiss-stealing, son of a gun. And if you like it or don't like it, listen to the podcast, because it's the best thing going today. And we have, what are your names, wrestlers, sirs? I'm the mass grappler. And you? I am the rum pum pum pummeler. You don't want to mess it with took these a long guys. time to think of that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to mess with these guys in the dark alley. So we might as well talk wrestling. <laughs> so for me... One of the things I got into it was there was a studio wrestling show in Rochester in the 70s, oh. hosted by Dick the Destroyer Bayer, who's a famous wrestler out of Buffalo, very popular in Japan. He might be the best known mass grappler aside from you guys ever. Yeah. <laughs> he was Dr. X for a while, yeah. and he actually had a park golf in Akron, Ohio, till he passed away a couple of years. Akron, not Akron, Ohio, Akron, Buffalo, yeah. till he passed away a couple of years ago. A super sensational story, but I guess I all I remember from this show. Did any of you see it? No, man, I wasn't no. here. Uh, excuse me, I wasn't here in the nineteen seventies. <laughs> I, mean, I remember watching wrestling on Sundays. It was on Sundays or something. This was, was like on. Weird... I, I'm so, I was so young. I don't really remember. But there's a couple things that stand out. Number one was that a young Greg Valentine was teaming with his dad Johnny as the Fargo brothers. Yep, the Fargo. And what happened was people started noticing. Well, for brothers, they were really the age difference was really big. Yeah. So they sort of stopped that. And I remember Bobo Brazil was mentioned a lot. I remember that. Yeah. And Dominic Danucci. Yeah. But Dick the Destroyer Bear, he would comment with the mask on. So the story I've heard, they did one line where some bad guy whacked him over the head with a garbage can. And he came back the next week, he had a bandage over the top of his mask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wouldn't take it off. Yeah. But I, that's all I, I mean, obviously, studio wrestling, that's the problem with a lot of it. They didn't tape it. So there's no, no footage. I've tried to find footage for it. I've never been able to find it. They, they taped over top of last week's show with to save money on the tapes. And so large, large... Uh, catalogs are missing and gone. Like the- Pittsburgh wrestling, I've been dying to get footage of Tony Marino, the Batman. 
Oh, I saw pictures There's of him. There's pictures, and I guess he's still alive and lives in really? Florida. Wow. What, I'm, what I'm hoping is it turns out, remember the Pittsburgh Pirates video for Bing Crosby? Um, what happened was uh, he couldn't go to the game for Mazeroski. He had somebody come and shoot it on film. Uh-huh. And they found it. Oh, wow. So, so I'm really? hoping there was a guy working at a studio. Ah, his kids loves wrestling. So he took footage and it's hiding up in an attic somewhere. Yeah, that's what you have to find. Like uh, Jim Cornette, the story about, uh, what was it? All the, me- uh, what tapes was it? It would have been uh, mid- Mid-South Memphis. Memphis. I don't know. That's. The, the 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 television studio was getting closed down, or there was boxes, boxes and boxes of reel to reel videotape, and someone told on the street corner in a box, and it was all the catalog of a bunch of wrestling, and he went and saved it and converted it to DVD and sells it out of his. I house guess what now. he does is he says like if you talk to, if you order one. He he will make it for you. Yes. He doesn't, mm-hmm. they're not pre-made. He will go and he will pick the matches and sit there and make them for you. That's crazy that he has that kind of time. I know, but for <laughs> brother, me. Brother. <laughs> don't have sex with your brother, brother. <laughs> but for me, the really the real thing that got me into wrestling was midnights. My parents were very good about summer. They didn't care how long I stayed up school. Go to bed at eight or nine, but then stay up on the weekends, watch the monster movies, do whatever you want. Right. So there would be wrestling on Channel Nine, WWOR, <laughs> at midnight, and that's where I really got into the WWWF. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen that stuff. And I really broke into watching it just when Superstar Billy Graham had won the title from Bruno. Oh, seventy eight ish. Yeah. Yeah. Where he did the thing where he put his grabbed him and put the yep. feet on the ropes. Man, and they. They they really dropped the ball with him because he was he was so popular because of his look and his 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 charisma that he was that heel that was sort of turning babyface because the crowds just loved him you know like the like Stone Cold years later they could have uh, they could have and Vince McMahon Senior didn't want to turn him face he could have had so much money. With Billy Graham, if he turned him face, but no, he just wanted to put the belt. What did he put the belt back on? Bob Backlund. Oh, oh, it wasn't yeah. back on Bruno. No, was Bruno back. was done. Bruno oh, that's just right. said because what yeah. Bruno just said, he broke his neck against Stan Hansen in '75, and he said he said I'd be a champ for a year. Yeah, Vince kept, Vince Senior kept saying no. He finally said enough. I can't do it anymore. But I guess the story goes when they did the title turn, he told Graham, "Now look, I'm going to argue with the ref." You run out of here before the crowd kills you. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so, yeah. <laughs> but right. I guess the whole story with that was they were going to groom bad. They were looking for an all-American boy. They didn't want to have the ethnic <coughs> champion. So, That's right. So in Florida, I guess, Eddie, Gra- uh, Eddie Graham or somebody down there, Mike Graham, said, there's a guy down here who was backland. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they, they opted to take him. But they wanted to bring him up. They would tape shows. He would still wrestle there. They wanted to build them up for nine months, and then Graham was going to drop the title. But what you said happened. Graham went over yeah. huge. He sold out the arenas. There's pictures in wrestling magazines. They've been stopping to pose yeah, in New York. Could have transitioned into face and rode that wave of money for a good long. And while, I guess I what bet. they said, he had a cage match with Bruno in Pennsylvania that Sunday, and they were talking about, okay, why don't we? Well, what's going to happen is we'll knock you out of the cage. You'll win back the title. That way, Backlund won't win it. Mm-hmm. But I guess Bruno was going to go along with. But he he just had too much integrity where he just said. He, I guess he begged Vince Sr. too to keep the belt on Graham. 
but Vince was just stubborn. Yes. So yes, yep. he just wouldn't, didn't go along with it. I heard all those stories. I mean, so many of those stories in so many wrestling podcasts and now are being told. Like old school wrestling fans like us, we just, you know, the, the podcast world has really opened up a ton of stories. And, you know, with, since Kayfabe has been dropped, they can, you know, completely tell all the uh, smoke and mirror stories about the back goings on, and it's really interesting for us old But I fans. think it would have been, they could have turned him, he was already getting cheered. If you watch his matches, people were cheering him anyways. Yes. Uh-huh. They could have turned him really easy, but Vince was stubborn. He actually had a thing with Ivan Koloff. Graham had the angle picked out how to do it even. Really? Yeah. Really? But I that's did, what I want. did see a match at the War Memorial once, I think when I was in high school. It was like Martinez, somebody Martinez, and uh, Pedro Morales, maybe. I don't know. One guy had like a chain. He had a big chain. He's freaking whack whacking this guy with a chain, and then <laughs> well, we're yeah, all like, "Yeah!" There's a few <laughs> chain gimmicks in wrestling. The junkyard dog and had one, and uh, Hercules Hernandez had Bruiser one. Brody. Bruiser Brody, yeah. The Russians too yeah, didn't call off after the Russian chain or the yes, Russian chain yes, matches. yes, Nikita. Pull yeah. off, maybe. So, so I have a question. Yes. I was doing some research on this, which is interesting because I was like looking back, tracing the whole thing, and it started in Samaria. Wrestling started in Samaria and in Greece and yeah. back all like, and they used to wrestle naked and put no, because they were they wanted to make sure you were in a space alien. And all this weird they shit. always wanted to make sure you were in a space alien, so you had to show you wiener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but my question: what is the, what is the term heel, and why is they? Why is it used, and where did that come from? It all came from a lot of wrestling slang comes from the carnival. Because what happens, wrestling would start off wrestling at carnivals. And over time, I guess what happened is, and because we've broken kayfabe, it started out where there were real legitimate matches. But they realized, okay, some of these are boring. Okay, let's, let's take it so... We sort of predetermine the outcome, so we build up so fans want to see it. So eventually what happened was they created characters where you have, like, they call the baby faces the good guy or the heel. The heel's the bad guy. Uh. And they work programs, obviously, where the heel beats the hell out of the good guy. And in the end, the face beats him. But they try, and it's called heat, you know, all the terms like Broadway's mm-hmm. a draw, you know, like that get heat means like try to piss the fans yeah. off. Oh, mm-hmm. I see. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't um, know that. Uh, a shine is when the heel has been getting heat for a long time and he whispers in the baby faces, go for a shine. And that's where he 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 puffs up and gets some revenge and the, the crowd goes nuts and he gets a bit of a shine, you know. The uh, classic would be Hogan where they're beating the shit out yeah, of him and yeah, sort of right, up. Right. Or right. T.J. Strongbow where he goes into the war dance yeah. and starts beating the shit out yep. of him. Mm-hmm. But the, also the thing, too, then with that... Is what was I thinking of? Oh, <laughs> uh, the other term is take a powder. That's when uh, when uh, a one wrestler will just go outside the ring to create some distance and right. and uh, so like in other words, the 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 bad guy is beating up the, the the good guy and he's cheating to do it. So the crowd is getting heat on that, and so the good guy comes back in his shine and the. Bad guy now can't handle it, so he jumps out of the ring to take a powder, uh, quote unquote, yeah. to to you know because uh, to get away from him and uh, you know calls timeout. You know, it's all like it's all it begs <laughs> off. Yeah. but it's oh, all wow. the, yeah. the term kayfabe. They 
Fred Blossie in his book explains they don't really know exactly where it came from. It was two things. There was either a wrestler named Kay Fabian who was a blabbermouth. So <laughs> they said Kay Fabian because, like, if we were talking yeah. and some, like, somebody who was a mark, that's what they'd say you're smart to the business or you're a mark. Mm-hmm. That we were talking, we'd go kayfabe, we start fighting and arguing with yes, each other yep. and everything. But yep. the other thing was, he said he was either a blabbermouth or he was a deaf wrestler. Oh. They don't know for sure. It was in the 30s. Wow. But it's I've amazing to the lengths how you would go to protect kayfabe. The greatest story that's Tim Woods, Mr. Wrestling. He was on a plane in 1976 that crashed. Ric Flair was on it. Johnny Valentine was on it. That's the, the famous crash, right? It ended Johnny Valentine's career, but the story came out. Ric Flair broke his back. Mm-hmm. The story went out that Tim Woods was on the plane. But, okay, people, what are, what's a a good guy doing on a plane with these bad guys. Yeah, right, now, I would have just right. said, well, they kidnapped me. Yeah, right. So he wrestled yeah. two weeks later with a broken neck. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just to protect it. Yeah, yeah. That's how, we, you know, that's how they were, that's how risk life and limb to protect cave. Ole Anderson tells a story about every town they would go to, they'd get some marks, you know, the local tough guy mm-hmm. thought he could wrestle. Yeah. And what they would do is, okay, we'll put you in the first match. So they come down, okay, who wins? Oli would say, what do you mean who wins? Yeah. Whoever wins. Yeah. And he said, you would have people running, screaming away, going, it's real, it's yeah, real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's funny. Um, the, then, and, and back in the day, it was really, really hard to break into the business because of, because of that. They, uh, they really had to physically test you to see, A, if you were tough enough and and if you, you know, sometimes they would do so go so far as to break limbs. Hulk Hogan, Hero yeah. Matsuda broke his leg. Yeah, <laughs> and then if you were if you came back for more training after that, and then you took more punishment. Eventually, they figured that you want it bad enough, they can trust you, and then they would open up the secrets of the business of them. Yo, because it was like it was like the mafia it was like a closed family. Both Bobby Heenan and Ole Anderson say the same thing. They did not know for sure until the first match. Oh, yeah. Ole went out there. They still didn't tell him. Then the guy sort of smartened him up in the ring. Yeah. How many guys I've heard stories have gone out and training and uh, not until they're out there in the first match realize that, you know, it's a, it's a determined ending and you know, they have to listen to the uh, experienced guy. You know, it's it's crazy. But there was something I used to love about that, that people... I always compared it to a magic show, where you go to a magic show, you know the guy's got tape, or he's hiding it behind his back, but yeah. when you're there, you believe it. Oh, yeah, man. I always lost myself in the spectacle and the the uh, theater, the performance theater that, that it is. I never once remember thinking it was legitimate sport but i do also remember them taking you on such an emotional ride that you would like oh these two people really do hate each other look at this and that's and they they didn't or they might have but they were working in such a way that made you really what they said was like now like say you went to a show here before the the cancel bug they killed everything yeah. they said like yeah. now like say for example you went to see a show you might go down to like the radisson you'd see these guys who these hated enemies in the ring drinking beer together whereas yeah. like yeah. and i actually remember a friend saw seth rollins and the guy he wrestled chumming it up where yes. before you couldn't do anything near oh, that no you'll see and on I, instagram them hanging out and what i would say too is i've called it 
I use the pretentious term, I think it's physical theater and it invokes all the things because you're creating a story. The idea, like you go to a boxing match, they might be boring, you might get knocked out. Mm-hmm. They want to create the best match possible for you and the and the best storyline. And there's a reason for everything, how they're trying to push somebody. Yep. And that's kind of, you know, and before what you would do is you'd work in the, as you guys know, yes, obviously, doing working in the territories <laughs> for you, you would build up your craft. Well, now they have these guys scripted. I, oh, I used to always yeah. really love the rants when they would get on their thing. I'm going to kill yeah. you, and if you come back... And they would, what they would basically tell you, <laughs> yeah. and I guess Roddy yeah. Piper said this, they said, okay, the match is here, mm-hmm. promote it, you got two minutes, go. Yeah. And that's all, you'd have to come Whoa. up with your own thing now that's all scripted, because then it was believable, well, too. You, yeah. you got the real charisma of real people who knew how to deliver that stuff, naturally and you, when you get the scripted ones uh it's it's no different than people yeah you, you know you but you, as I'm, I'm i'm getting tongue-tied the here, term but. would be people have called the cosplay wrestling yes nowadays. but <laughs> yeah. there was one thing that stands out and you're gonna laugh because my dad would watch wrestling with me all the time and he was a fred Blossie man in terms of managers cool. but he but there was one thing on wwr where Chief J. Strongbow loved Greg Valentine. They had the angle before Valentine was going to wrestle back. We broke Strongbow's leg. Yep. And what happened was he had him in the sleeper. They knocked each other out with the referee. The Grand mm-hmm. Wizard ran in, threw water on Valentine. So he got to <laughs> put the figure four on Strongbow. <laughs> yeah. And the Gorilla Monsoon's going to come out and break it up. Yeah. You know, and they broke his leg. Yeah. So my dad goes, they put a splint on. My dad goes... They put a splint on the wrong leg, <laughs> and he's sitting there making faces yeah. and moaning. But the thing about it is, for the rest of the show, the audience was dead silent. Yeah, there was like a big six-man tag team match, and I remember Dominic Danucci had uh, Bulldog Burr by the ears in it. Nobody cared. They kept panning the strongbow. They waited for the ambulance to come. The crowd was dead, dead silent. Wow. Like they really yeah. fell for it. Yeah. And whenever like a face would get creamed by a heel then the crowd would be dead just like when someone's really bad and carried off a football field and they haven't moved in 20 minutes you know the crowd gets silent because they're they, it's real and the back then it was real to everybody and you wonder like when he gets in the ambulance they drive down a couple blocks okay <laughs> chief have a beer <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but like mis- like mask wrestlers like you guys the extent you would go to protect the identity, not only the luchadors, but like Mr. Wrestling 2, Johnny Walker, who passed away earlier this year, yeah. they said what he would do is he would drive in himself, not without, he was a very indiscriminate looking guy, you wouldn't notice him, you know, he had a bit of a beer gut, mm-hmm. but, you know, balding prematurely like some of us, <laughs> and he would go drive in, he would park about four blocks away from the arena, stick the mask on and come in because he didn't want anybody to see him. And I guess in Georgia, he would just go around. Like, you imagine not 2020, some dude coming in your convenience store wearing a mask. And everybody's, oh, hi, Mr. Wrestling, too. No, they didn't. They didn't mess around. The most, the closest thing to someone guarding kayfabe that much in present days would be The Undertaker, how he was... Even when kayfabe was dropped, he didn't drop until just recently when that special came out. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, the last ride. Yeah, 
which is very, it's a, that's the first time you saw his real personality in all these years. And it's when he decided to hang the boots up. And that's kind of old school wrestling fans like, I mean, wrestlers like me, who, uh, that's refreshing. That's refreshing to me. Well, there's one guy, MJF, out there now. Yep. What he's done is, he did an interview for his <laughs> recent match. He stayed in character the whole Oh, interview. man, did you hear his podcast it was a while he's ago great, maybe. Though. he's my favorite new wrestler like two years ago he was on stone cold's podcast and uh he pretty much stayed in character the entire time and at the very end stone cold says and this this is real stone cold says oh uh, well uh, it's the end uh you can uh, tell all the people you can take the stairs or you can take the window your <laughs> choice and and mjf says i'll take the stairs and he grabs this water bottle and squirts it, empties it across the table on Stone Cold. And Stone Cold, it's on this podcast, it flips out. You can hear him going across the table. And MJF runs out of the room. And that was real. And I saw him one where he goes, he kicks a guy in the nuts and he runs away. <laughs> so MJ, uh, Stone Cold to this day hates his guts because he did that. But these guys were scary. And like one of the things is, too, one of the... The lost art of the foreign object. I used to love oh, wrestlers. Yeah. Like Baron Mikel Cicluna would have like a nail file hiding under uh-huh. his boot. And the really talented ones who had nothing at all but would go into their trunks and pull something out, keep their hand balled up, and smash them in the you know, when the ref is distracted and then put it back in their trunks and really they're manipulating nothing at all. Sometimes they have it look like they're or, – or, or the brass knucks, would be, which would be a bunch of tape. tape. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the one. I remember Captain Lou Albano hit Chief J. Strongwell. People were throwing stuff in the ring. He picked up a piece of paper and knocked them yeah, out with it. Yeah. But the all-time and I is, was George the Animal Steel. Oh, yeah. And he would have, I remember that. <laughs> and the thing about I've met I met the animal, Jim Myers, a few times when Did he came you? to Rochester. Ooh. Nicest guy, just still big strong mm-hmm. but the idea was people were scared to death of him oh yeah and the thing i guess you know what the foreign object was a piece of chalk no the foreign <laughs> object was a japanese can opener oh was it really it? was <laughs> but what he would do is he you know he hit you he'd stick it in his mouth and go, <laughs> and he'd go on the turnbuckle and you couldn't get it wow you ever seen the like what looks like a piece of chalk <laughs> <laughs> you know like a white stick of some sort yeah uh, there's a it's a quite a fine art. I've gotten pretty good at it in my. Where do you hide your foreign objects? I mean, we're gonna, you know. I mean, can you imagine that now? Because I remember when I went to that one match, and people were throwing stuff in the ring. Here, hit him with this, you know, and all. And it's like I can't even imagine that now. How do you just? How did you bring those things in? You know, I mean, people well, just bring shit to. That. I'm a, I'm blessed enough to have an incredible area in around my crotchal area where there's a lot of stuff. I can fit a circular saw in there. I can fit a full towing chain in there. I can fit a, a table saw in there. I can fit I can fit a gallon of gasoline and two lighters in there. So. When you step in the ring with me, anything can happen. Well, the great <laughs> fireballs were another one. Oh, yeah, Either the good fireballs oh, in the face. Man, that was you. You that was such an art with the flash paper and the lighter concealed in the hand and the timing. And it was hideous when you saw a wrestler who wasn't practiced at it to try it, like say a Hulk Hogan at Halloween what, Havoc. With the one with the ninety. What he tried to do? He lit it up fire. Remember? <laughs> the, yeah, there's some been some horrific. And then when it works. It's pretty amazing. 
uh, looking. Is the thing with Michael P.S. Hayes, I guess there was one where I think whomever he wrestled did it. He came back, how do we... You burnt my beard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they would classically get their eyebrows burnt off. And... I guess I guess that happened to Ronnie Garvin. He came back. I'm sorry. No, it was great. It was yeah, great. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> it looked good. Or the salt in the eyes was another one. Yep, yep. Or like Abdullah the Butcher who would just hit you with, carve you up with the fork. Oh, my goodness, yeah. He gave, he, he gave a lot of my brothers hepatitis. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing for, was, for I saw the live shows when 31... UHF started broadcasting the WWF. They came back to Rochester. Mm-hmm. My dad would we'd go every month, and I saw a lot of like Sergeant Slaughter, the uh, yeah, early eighties, yeah, yeah, early eighties. I saw Andre. This was like when I kind of figured wrestling might not be on the level. Sorry guys, he wrestled <laughs> Killer Khan, right? Yeah, this was, and he broke his Killer Khan broke his leg. Wink. I was at the match. I don't remember that. Yeah. And what happened was Vince said he jumped and smashed his leg. Andre broke his leg getting out of his bed. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm and you ever like there wasn't you know the internet phones or no, anything. Yeah, of course not. Because that's no. like George Animal Steel again. He was a teacher and when he put the mask on as the student, but he would yeah. wrestle. Nobody would yeah, know. And no. I guess people might get a wrestling magazine and they'd say, "Hey, you know this looks like you." And he'd just say, "You think I'm that ugly?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but who were some of your favorites growing up? Who inspired oh. you to get in the biz? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Not just one, obviously. No, well, of course, early, early on, Rick, Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan always is, you know, his charismatic craziness. He wasn't a crazy good worker, but I discovered <laughs> uh, early world class and the Von Erics and they, they were quite amazing, even though that their whole story ended tragically. Uh, uh Man, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, 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 some of the some of the the greats like we were talking about. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, I can't superstar Billy Graham, uh, uh, T Bone Steaks, Protein Shakes, and Barbell Plates. That's what is constant. the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I guess he was a preacher for real beforehand, so he learned how to do that lingo. Oh, yeah. And I guess Dusty hung around with them, so he got some of that. And, and it was Muhammad Ali as well. He stole some of his j- j- uh, jive from that. He, he was, but, uh, my, Jesus, I... I like so much. Jake the Snake was amazing with his promos. I have a story uh, for you, too. I actually met him at a Comic-Con a couple of years ago. I And one of my friends was there. He was out smoking <laughs> a cigarette. Mm-hmm. So my one of my one of my friends asked him, Hey, Jake, where's your snake? <laughs> it's in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, in my trousers, when you meet, brother. The thing is, I've met some wrestlers, and even if some of the ones like Chris Jericho, they look small on TV, mm-hmm. you meet them, they're all big. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Hart, actually, for, man, he's a big guy. Is he? Yeah. I never had the opportunity to meet him. He, he you know... The uh, he manages most of the people he manages are colossal, so you know. but they're all big, they're all yeah. meaty, like Greg Valentine. Yeah. Jer- yeah. Again, Jericho showed up to sign his Fozzie albums at Record Archive, and you see him, and he looks small compared to the other guys, but he's a big, meaty right. guy. Well, right, yeah, he's like he, but back in the day, as far under six foot as he is, he wouldn't have gotten a sh- he wouldn't have gotten a shot, you know. He's, uh, Went back in the land of the giants. Now, now it's now you know more average sized guys as long as they're athletic or getting it. And 
and have that charisma to be on TV. I can I can attest to one thing too. I saw Hulk Hogan live once. It was first year 1984. He was wrestling the Iron Sheik with Fred Blossie as the guest oh, referee. Wow, Iron Sheik. And I and, I, I, and I remember literally he stuck his head out of the locker room, sold out crowd. They went bananas mm-hmm. when he came out. The frenzy of that crowd. And he would, like, superstar Billy Graham would say, and I think the same thing applies to Hulk, Graham would say, I'm not a wrestler, I'm an entertainer. And Absolutely. Hulk had the charisma, knew how to work it. Mm-hmm. He had, a, you know, about five, six moves, but still. Do the pose. Yeah. It was, uh, he, he certainly knew how to take the fans on a ride emotionally, especially back in the day when they ate up that kind of stuff. Yeah, but also we have to mention, I just found out from my friend Chuck, that Ernie Ladd has... Connections to Rochester. I, yeah. I guess Ernie has family here. You just told me that. Yeah, I but didn't... the big cat, though, he was, and you have to remember, Ernie, I would say, should be in the Football Hall of Fame. He was that good with the Chargers. Sure, why not, man? And then, to, 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 and, and, you know, uh, along with his wrestling career, it's just an just amazing feat of accomplishment. Uh, and to be a giant and to be, you know, what was he, six foot nine? Yeah, the big yeah. cat. Yeah, 340 pounds at his lightest, probably. Um, I didn't know he had Rochester connections. See, I did not know that either, but I guess he has family here. Is that his shoot name, Ernie Ladd? I think it's his real name. Okay. He played football under it. So. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because there's a lot of football players that go into wrestling. Bronco Nagurski wrestled. That's right. Wahoo yeah. McDaniel. Yeah, who uh, was. Uh, was he? He wasn't really Native American, was he? He was. The story with Wahoo, he said that people asked him, and he said, my dad was 116th. I'm German, but my dad was 116th, but he really pushed that ancestry. The one Native, true Native I know is Tatanka, who's Lumpy Tribe, or Lumpy Tribe, as Bobby Heenan would say. Who was the uh, WWF wrestler who was Italian, but wrestled? Chief J. Joe Scarpa from New South Jersey. Yeah, Yeah. Chief J. Strongbow, that's right. And uh, the Youngbloods, Jay Youngblood and his brother, they were real Native they American. They were, I didn't know. I know, I remember the wrestling magazines, he teamed up with Steamboat a lot, Jay. Jay Youngblood, I'm watching that, that right now in Mid-South on my uh, network. Uh, they were great, great tag team. Uh, he, he left us way too early. Yeah, Jay I know. Youngblood. The only thing, too, is that whenever you were one of those wrestlers, you knew you were going to get jumped and the feathers were going to get stuffed oh, down yeah. your mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with doused in Cairo syrup and covered in... There's actually a famous. <laughs> this is a famous storyline. It was Mr. Wrestling Two and Magnum TA were the tag team champs, and Jim Cornette's Midnight Express. So there's a story. They jump them. Yeah. They whack Mr. Wrestling Two over the head with like a. They you're supposed to be a blackjack or yeah. something. They get Magnum TA and they tar and feather him. Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> I just <laughs> saw that. And then he get revenge and tar and feather Mr. Two. And that was right at the end of Mr. Two's wrestling career. He was sort of yeah. trying to tra- transition out. And of watch point. how they sell it too. They come out Mr. Wrestling Two still holding his head, yeah. Magnums and feathers going yeah. on about I've never been more disgraced yeah. in my life. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, that's the two. Uh, then two brought in his new protege, which ended up being Hercules Hernandez. It's Mr. Wrestling. And Mr. He Wrestling too, and he too. became Mr. Wrestling. Yeah, and uh, and I just saw Hercules Hernandez go from that to world class as Sunshine's new secret bodyguard. Anyway, going that was down. Good. What do you think about all this, Greg? Well, you know, I'm. Not... Hey, don't give his real name away. <laughs> no, Greg the Grappler. <laughs> 
I, I'm not a real big. I mean, I watch. Like I said, I went to a couple when I was younger. You prefer to be in the ring. I than watched watch it on TV if, a lot, but yeah. I mean, I never followed it as much. But I always was fascinated by it. I mean, I I kind of wonder why boxing never went that way. Why boxing is more legit, and when wrestling actually well, when, they had when did wrestling from the mob. actually <laughs> change? When did wrestling ever change, and who was the architect that? That okay, we're gonna make more theater out of it. It I mean, started, I guess, from what I've read in the history. Again, they started at the carnivals, mm-hmm. the sideshow at the carnivals. Uh-huh. And a lot of times, what they would do is they would have like guys in the audience because they beat the champ, and it just got boring. I guess mm-hmm. like some yeah. you know you put a hold on a guy and hold him there for ten minutes. So they started spicing it up because they realized it brings the fans back. So it sort of metamorphosized, and then yeah. it became in the fifties. It was TV. What happened? wrestling because it was very very cheap yeah so that's when gorgeous george and they started doing all these flamboyant guys I mean, it, 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 in the carl gotch era matches would sometimes go two and a half or three hours wow. like and there would be no breaks guys are just wrestling around and there's technically and and they would draw thousands and thousands in these makeshift stadiums but you can't see What's going on? Uh, if it's going, and guys are rolling around for three hours on the mat, and you're way up in the nosebleeds or whatever. Right. So, uh, you know, they just started having uh, exaggerate uh, and make it more it, flat, more, more. And obviously, yes. like during after wartime, what did we have? The classic German villains, evil like Nazi guys. Right. So yes. the good old patriot guys could beat the hell out of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We brought the. Uh, the Nazi villains and, of course, the Japanese villains. Well, always, I guess, Killer Khan, go back to him. He's Japanese. I guess he became a Mongolian villain because he didn't want to be the stereotypical guy from Japan who throws the salt in your eyes. Yep. Because <laughs> he would all throw the, the ceremonial salt, that would, which is probably like baby powder or something. Oh, oh, yeah, probably, or, yeah, or flour or something. He's a, uh, a quite an accomplished sushi chef now, I think, and has a... Successful restaurant in Japan, Killer Kong. Oh, that's cool. Yep. Still know. with us. Oh, that's good. It's amazing, huh? Yeah, but I, that's, that's the only time I saw Andre the Giant. He was big. Oh. Yeah, I remember him, yeah. I mean, we can cycle this back to Geekdom with the Superman episode, No Holds Barred. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> About the wrestling match. Yes, true. Are you familiar with that, Jeff? No, I don't know what that is. There was an episode of the old George Reeves show uh-huh. where, where these guys <laughs> with the were swami? wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they were. He had this move called the paralyzer, and what the guy would do <laughs> is that he, the swami guy or Indian guy, he was teaching these guys to use pressure points. Okay, so he'd bring them down, and they were like, "All right, nobody can beat me. I got the paralyzer." And it was like, <laughs> yeah, they, so, the guy so, would so, challenge him, just get him in the neck, and they go. Oh! <laughs> so it was a very I mean and 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 to watch that when you're younger it's like real interesting because I mean this was like full blown old school 1951 yeah, wrestling yeah. you know and they're watching it on this little TV you know, um, like all this and they're story. like I think one guy comes in he's like a college wrestler yeah. and he's going to challenge him and they're like don't do it and doesn't Superman train him how to yeah. beat the thing so when he puts it on him it doesn't yeah. hurt him <laughs> <laughs> wow I'm going to have to look that up Oh, that's a good one, though. It's it like is. It's a good first one. year Superman two was very hardcore crime. It right. wasn't like how it became the uh, the old George Reeves one. Yeah, right? yeah. I actually been watching the Kirk Allen ones too. I see what you mean about flying. Yeah, they, well, they cheaped out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
I mean, it's way better than the Batman ones, though. The Batman I just watched the are... first one from 43. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is I still, another guy we've talked about before is Haystacks Calhoun. Big man. From Morgan. And Bruno Sammartino lifted him off the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think without his approval, even. I think uh, that's how strong Bruno was, because he didn't even need Haystacks. You no, know, and the help. story goes, they... They said he was 605, and usually they lie. They did lie. They mm. weighed him afterwards. He was 645. Oh, did you wow. hear about his bread? What he would start the day with? It was like, I think it was like four dozen eggs, a yeah. couple pots of coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three or four piglets. <laughs> could you imagine? It's no. like, and he wasn't even the biggest wrestler. I think they said the, the McGuire twins, I guess they were bigger than Yokozuna when they wouldn't let him wrestle anymore. Those are the. Dudes on the uh, mini bikes in the Guinness Book of World Records. That famous photo, the McGuire twins. Yeah, and they would have, they would have handlers who would bathe them because they couldn't reach areas. <laughs> Harley Race started. That's how Harley Race broke in the business. He drove Happy Humphrey around because Happy hum- Humphrey, cause Humphrey yes, was right. too fat. Fat was too fat to reach the yeah. thing. But I guess he would have to give him baths. Yeah. But they said Happy Humphrey was actually a really nice guy. He holds afterwards the Guinness Book World Records for most weight loss. Yes, yeah. He, he came right down the normal size. Well, the- <laughs> and then ballooned back up before he died, actually. <laughs> but it's amazing, though. But Harley he just did that. It's how he broke into yeah. business. He would take a sponge on a stick and get all those indiscreet areas. I <laughs> heard him talking. Like, <laughs> I would make that stick eight feet long. <laughs> it would be like over here. Go yeah. Get me on the back. You rub yeah. my back for me. Can you rub my back? Yeah, get, wow. get, <laughs> oh, get the great butt cleft for me, please. But do you have one favorite wrestler? Uh, and again, I'm not big on the who's your favorite list, but like in terms of like one who would be in your top five for sure. My goodness, that is so hard for me, man. Uh, See, that's why I hate the number one question, or, or the or the Mount Rushmore question. Of, I never do that either. Uh, because you oh, know, we'll skip that for a second. Do you have a favorite manager, or somebody? Oh my goodness, I guess Jim Cornette, man. Jim Cornette or Bobby Heenan. Uh, but Jim Cornette claims Bobby Heenan is the greatest manager of all time, and he might be correct because Bobby Heenan was an amazing wrestler before he became a manager, and so he still had those skills and took crazy bumps. Uh, gift of gab, so, so instantly witty. Um, great heel. But it's either toss-up, either Jim Cornette or Bobby Did you ever hear, There's a story about him, too, but I think my favorite would still be Captain Lou Albano. Oh, right. yeah. how could you go wrong? Yeah. But there's a story, I guess, with Bobby Heenan where they had the gimmick, the bully, and the WWF, where he's yeah. a, this goofy guy with a derby and a mustache. Yes, I remember him picking on people. He wasn't around long. No, but it gets big Billy Bully Busick, and yes. I guess somebody complained about him during the anti-bullying campaign, and they they don't realize it's a character. Mm-hmm. But I guess Heenan's like there was a little girl in the audience. He would dump popcorn over her head. <laughs> it was Heenan's daughter. Yeah, and I guess okay. Heenan's daughter went to Vince and said, I'm not doing it for 50 anymore. I'm doing it for 75. And Heenan was <laughs> awesome. saying, you're going to get me fired. <laughs> awesome. Way to go, little girl. But some of those characters that came out in the like the early '90s from Vince were utterly cartoon. Because oh, that's where you had NWA, WCW, where these guys really wrestled like Flair, Steamboat, mm-hmm. Dusty, and then you had the cartoon guys. And, well, and they were and and they were they were legitimate guys. The Goon, 
was from world class as well. What, what was he? Uh, the, that that fake hockey player, the goon. He, yeah. What was his? Uh, oh, he, I just heard. I don't. Uh, he was a Texas wrestler. Oh man. Well, what happened? I guess in the WWF too, they're running low on talent in the mid nineties. So what they did, they brought back all these veterans mm-hmm. and just packaged them as these weird characters. But these guys, because like Skinner was Steve Kieran. Steve Kieran. I, I couldn't believe his trans physical transformation from a pretty boy to that Skinner dude. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd spit the tobacco? Yeah, off it was so stuff. disgusting. <laughs> I couldn't. Another thing, I mean, it's a much newer gimmick, but I, I would always have to turn away from the freaking TV is whenever uh, the boogeyman. The, all the words, the worms in his mouth. I was like, oh my goodness, how could? I can't even wow. look at that. He would chew up live fistfuls of live worms and get, that spit them out. I think there was like, was he Dewey Robertson? I think it was Dewey Robertson. He was like a regular. Dewey Robertson, the the uh, the uh, missing link. Yeah, well, he was a missing link. <laughs> but I do remember the one thing too, and I had a laugh is that this is how far it went over the time earthquake crushed Jake Snake. Yes, and yeah. I heard people say. People tell me, oh, he really did it. Yeah. And he came up with the snake burgers. Yeah. I guess there was a pound of hamburger in there that he sat on. Okay. Ouch. <laughs> it made like a spot on the bag. That's probably the hamburger. Yeah, they already shit himself. Yeah. It's like, right. Because there's been a couple of those. That's too. classic. It's like Stone Cold said, remember a guy named Yokozuna? He slammed me and I shit my pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stories like that. Uh, Hopefully you're wearing dark trunks on that night, not yellow ones. Right. <laughs> uh, there's just one. There's just one match I had back in Toledo yeah. with uh, four monkeys and a bear, and I don't want to go into it, but there's a there's an incident similar to that. Well, that's funny too, where they have like the wrestling bears and all those. Oh my goodness! The midget wrestling too. Yes, uh, that was man. Those guys were so talented. I mean, you you really don't see. Th- and, and, and you really don't see that probably because it's considered exploitive by today's standards. But some of those guys made incredible. Li- Lord Littlebrook, remember him? Sky Lolo. Lord Littlebrook was like the he 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 he, he was a contact for all of them for a lot of years. Sky Lolo. What, what was the uh, what was the other one? The uh, the, uh, the 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 Japanese guy. Um, Little Tokyo. Little Tokyo. <laughs> um, Remember this WrestleMania three match with King Bundy. Kong Bundy and smashing one of them, and all the little people turned on King Kong Bundy and le- left with a face that was funny. Well, that's the thing too is you forget they're really good athletes. Oh, they were. You know, and they did. Yeah. The thing was, I'm sure that a lot of them made plenty of good. I always remember Skyler Low looked like my Uncle Art. <laughs> I always think of that. Some left Uncle Art in the dryer too long. <laughs> You know what? Hey, it was my uncle Art. We put him in the. He went in the dryer when he was drunk, and he came out as Sky Low Low. Yeah, but yeah. you watch it really now as much as anybody follow it? I I uh, I don't watch the current product nearly as much as I once did. I, I have the network, and I I I absorb myself in all the back catalog, and uh, watch it chronologically. Actually, I'm reliving the Monday Night Wars right now, and then watching the pay per views as they. Because back in the day, I didn't have the money to buy all those papers. Yeah, and my thing was, like, for the Monday Night Wars, I I got out of taking my dog to obedience school because it was on Monday nights so I could watch the Monday <laughs> Night Wars. And I remember how popular, because Mick Foley came to Walmart by me, mm-hmm. and there was a line you could see down the block. Oh, yeah, it man. It was incredible. 
No, but I I, uh, I I watch the current pay-per-views. I don't have cable anymore, so I don't watch Raw. Raw got to be a long three-hour commitment Horrible. anyway. And, and I'm not, and it's just not riveting like it once was to no, me. No, and AEW, it started out promising and it went downhill where it became so, they don't know what they're doing in terms of heels and faces. <laughs> yeah. It's cartoon. It's unbelievable in terms of some of these guys. But again, I think MJF's very good. But what I do is I just, I go on, YouTube is my friend for old classic wrestling. Mm-hmm. That is a great one. That is, uh, you can get so much there. I mean, the uh, you want to watch the match where, where, uh, 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 Big Van Vader got his eye taken out <laughs> by... Uh, what does he do? He just puts it right back in and goes on. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, who was he wrestling that day? Stan uh, Hansen. Stan Hansen knocks his eyeball And out. I guess the funny part, Stan, I watched some interviews with him, seems like the nicest guy in the world, but I guess mm-hmm. he was very nearsighted. Totally, And yeah. I guess what he would say, he'd whisper, I go Larry at you! <laughs> no, he couldn't see anything in the ring once he took his glasses off. And he that's how... And he was wildly swinging his cowbell on the end of the rope, and it caught. Vag- you can see it. He eyeball. literally puts it. just puts it right yes. back in, and and uses his mask to basically hold it in for the rest oh, of the match. But then you read about like the pranks these guys because I was reading Ole Anderson's book and I guess Gene Anderson used to like to sneak around and shit in people's shoes. Oh, <laughs> but some or, of the prank because he would get bored on the road or so. bags or simple ones like padlock all the loops to your favorite pair of jeans together. You know the belt loops <laughs> or crumbs like put uh, cracker crumbs in your hotel bed. Yeah, <laughs> I I hear that um, on the road. The the ribs are much less uh, the new, younger generation. You know, my generation and Greg's generation, we still will pull a rib on. You know, I'll I'll short sheet his bed when we're in. You know, yeah. when we're down in. Uh, or if he has to stop Tuscaloosa. to pee on the road, yeah. he'll just drive off. Yeah, right, right. Uh, he'll say, "Let's stop here for so, a six pack," and I'll come out with a six pack of Mountain Dew, and he'll yeah. be like, "What?" <laughs> That's the kind of ribs us old school wrestlers play on each other. But Dave, I guess you didn't touch her. Charlie Race's cold beer after the show, though. And you no. didn't touch Wahoo's headdress. He no. said, like, you. But Harley liked to drink cold beer after the show. He would, that would be the one thing you didn't mess with Harley. No. He would come out, his beers would be on ice in his cooler in his car. And if you were his riding partner, uh, Stone Cold was his riding partner in his WCW days for a little bit. He would say, Harley would finish his beer, throw it in the back seat, hold his hand out. And you would have to get a beer, open it, and have that opening mouth thing right in his hand at the right place where he can put it right back up to his lips, and that would go for the whole ride. But it's the best and drink. smoking cigarettes. One of the drinks, I guess he would, and he would drive 100 miles an hour yeah. if he was driving, too. Yeah. He was like a crazy, yeah. like he got into multiple car crashes. Unfortunately, his wife died in a car crash. He yeah. got into a boating. Yeah. But he would drive like 80, 100 miles an hour in winter. Wow. But one of the best, I mean, Andre the Giant, of course, was like the massive, massive drinker. But he was traveling with Dick the Destroyer one time, and Andre says, boss, we need beer, pull over. So he gets the six. So he says he gets a case. Yeah. Andre, he says I have three. Andre drinks the case. Yeah. So he goes, boss, we need more beer. Pulls yeah. over. Yeah. So they get another case. He gets like one. Yeah. Andre drinks the case. Yeah. Boss, we need more beer. Pulls over, gets another case. Andre drinks it. And the destroyer ends the story. And he didn't have to pee once. Yeah, I know. He has, a, he has a bladder the size of Nebraska. And the one time I guess he didn't want to go to bed. He's at a bar. 
They're saying we got to close. Okay, if you drink, we'll stay open. Give me 48 martinis. Line them up. I guess he passed out. They put a piano sheet over his head. Oh, well, that's a, that's probably that that the very famous story from Cincinnati in the 80s. By 83, I was in high school, and it probably has that, that story you're talking about. He, he passed out in a lobby where all the wrestlers stay from drinking, and he they couldn't rouse him. They couldn't move him, so they put tablecloths over him because he and he slept on the couch in the lobby and then they discovered this huge puddle under the couch because he had peed himself and it's just oh, this man. expansive puddle it must be the story you're talking about because my my high school friend was at the at the worked at this hotel and was the first hand experience told me about it it's unbelievable amazing but this has been very you guys give any matches coming up uh yes I do I have a match at the uh, Sri Lankan barn there'll be uh, I'll be taking on two goats uh, four <laughs> weak men and a pastor uh, in a Russian cage fire match and the winner gets an ice cream cone and look at it it's look Can't on those weird channels on cable it's one of those weird channels like up in 300 you can get it you can buy it on pay-per-view or stream it and i think before you beat up that drummer does he have any gigs anymore that great guy <laughs> I, well i'm supposed to do one tonight at smoking joe's in the city at five o'clock sweet and i have uh, a gig at abilene wednesday with a soul singer that i work with once in a while latrice fulton and uh so we're gonna do that it's still as, as we can say about music it gets where obviously it's tough times and there's still some going on and the weather's going to get cold. All yeah. I can say is wait and see. Yeah, man. Yeah. I was just on a cruise with Adriana and she playing on there and it was at the end. I give her and the band credit. I've seen bands like Big Sandy played Garden Vibes and they had to stop because it was dark. Mm-hmm. It was freezing. Her guitar was not our guitars do not act well in the right, right, right. but they played on till the end it was like okay if this goes down it's like the titanic <laughs> but we're gonna see it's a tough time for everything so you know you can go out if you know places i've been to they've been very good about trying to be careful try to like tip do what you can you know we're all in this hopefully it'll be over eventually yeah. well we're not down for the count we're gonna kick out of this and situation and come back for the shine but and we'll have to come back and do a part two of this sometime when you're back in town because i know you go you're all over traveling the country yeah yep, but, yep that's right but there's only one way we can end this my good friend steve litvick who's regular on the show how could we not end it without playing a song from the tombstone hands rumble link Riggs rumble <laughs> so with yeah. that thing Thanks, uh, you mask guys. I forgot your names already. <laughs> See you. you know. So, woo! woo. Bye. This is Rum Pum Pum Pummeler signing off. Thunder time! <laughs> uh, nah, nah.